Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. And good morning and welcome back to Daybreak Devotions from McLeansville Baptist Church. Pastor Mike Barnett and Pastor Corey Cantrell still alive. Well, our revival meeting has come to a close, and uh, we are taking away all the goodness out of that and hoping to move forward in our walk with the Lord as a church and as individuals. But we do have another event on the horizon on this Saturday. That means the Saturday coming up, two days from right now, as opposed to this past Saturday. We will be having, <laughs> we will be having our... Uh, Wait a minute, on, I man. see that hand. Yeah, put, put it in reverse. That that got way more complicated. I don't think anybody would have thought that by this Saturday you meant, you know, this Saturday that has previously passed, but we're going to plug the event that's not gone. Exactly. Okay. So anyhow. this Saturday, October the 28th, we will be hosting a trunk or treat event in our church parking lot. Slash Family Life Center. Oh, yeah, indoor-outdoor. Yep. Yeah, got to hit both sides. Well, anyway... We haven't done this in a little while, but uh, I, I actually I haven't been going back into the annals of history to get this stuff nailed down, but I think it's been three years? Yes, 2020 was... Uh, or 2019. Might have been... Tw- I think we did something in 2020. We but did it, was, it with masks and at an arm's length? I think so. Hmm. And it was... But it we didn't... We didn't really do a big community push. Oh, it was really, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if you had friends, neighbors, people that you specifically wanted to invite, this is the first year that we've done it where we've had the signs out. and. Well, I kind of feel like that it's the same thing. We're inviting our friends and neighbors and people we like. We do welcome you to come out on Saturday from 6 to 8. I'm having a hard time keeping a straight face now. But that's because we're having a good time, and it's going to roll right on into Saturday. Saturday, 6 to 8 o'clock. It's a drop-in. It's a BYOB, but if you don't, we have some. Yeah, by BYOB, we mean bring your own bag. Yes. Or bucket, depending (laughs) on how much candy you feel that you need to take home. And if you don't have some, one, whatever we have, we have some. Yes, we'll have bags. Maybe you should take over moderating this episode of this broadcast today. Six to eight this Saturday, we're having a community-wide trunk or treat where we're inviting everyone to come and just enjoy a great night of fellowship with the fine folks of McLeansville Baptist Church. Man, I couldn't have said that better myself. Bring your bag, prepare to leave with more candy than your body needs or that you could eat in one night, and just have a great time. And if you can't eat it all in one night, well... There's not much that we can help you with about that, but we do know some good doctors. I didn't tell you that this year we're putting a cap on the candy. Are we? Yeah. Four pieces per child. Wow. That's it. You're going to have a mob. Yeah, but they won't be hyped up on sugar. No, it'll almost be like um, withdrawals. Yeah, it'll be like a... Well, okay. It'll so, be a riot. Uh, cancel that cap. It's all the candy you can take all home. All the candy you can take home, and then it's parents' problems oh, to deal with Oh, yeah. It. But what we have learned how to do is we take the surplus of candy, and then we send it back to school. Because teachers are always saying, hey, if you want to donate candy, I'm like, look, I'm going to collect all this candy. I'm going to send it to school because I'm not buying candy because I'm trying to get rid of the candy that people keep sending home with my children. Believe it or not, we want you to come out on Saturday and have a good time between 6 and 8 o'clock. You don't have to stay the whole time. No, it's a drop-in, drop-out, just have a great evening. Well, aside from Saturday's great 
event that we are plugging. It's also Thursday, and you know what that means around here. It's time for Thursday's Treasure Trove. Good news stories to warm the heart. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, uh, Thursday's Treasure Trove. This one will mean something to you, and it'll give you an opportunity to share a little warm story from your heart. Oh. Yep. It was on this day in 1776 that Benjamin Franklin departed for France on a mission to seek French support for the American Revolution, which reminds you of what? Oh, my precious daughter. We were in church the other day, and we're really trying to encourage her. She's nine. We're trying to encourage her, hey, take notes. Listen to when Pastor Mike's preaching, and when something jumps out at you that you're like, man, that's important. I need to remember that. I'm going to work on that this week. And I forget the exact... Oh, what you said was stay away from the fringe, stay close to God, mm-hmm. was your exact words. And after the service, I looked down at my daughter's notes, and let's, she was... Let's be clear now, in case somebody missed it. Stay away from the fringe. The fringe. Don't get on the, the edge of sin in the world. Stay away yeah. from the fringe, stay and, close well, to God. Stay away from the fringe, stay close to God. I look down at Chloe's notes, and she's so proud because she's like, look, Daddy, and she's highlighting, and she pointed to her, and her words were, stay away from the French, stay close to God. Viva la France! <laughs> I said, oh, that's, that's precious. Stay away from the French. She got a good laugh out of it after we explained it to her. She uh-huh. said, well, I was wondering why Pastor Mike didn't want us to go near the French, but he said it, so... Well, if it was French fries, that would be one thing. <laughs> And that was Thursday's Treasure Trove for this week. Oh, yeah. A bountiful booty of blessing to bring warmness to your heart, goodness to your day. Well, let's get back to looking at the scriptures. Yesterday we wrapped up after getting sidetracked over in Psalm 119 and talking about how it teaches us how we can stay holy, but then we have opposition, there's spiritual warfare, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we never got back to the discussion, really. Well, we did. You wrapped it up nicely and kind of tied it together. But our theme, I guess that's the right way to say it, leading up to and through our revival this week was, of course, we pray, Lord, enthuse our heart with you and for you. But also we focused on three words, attention, affection, and allegiance. And so I began to introduce a little bit the idea of attention yesterday, and then I got distracted. I did that on purpose to prove a point. How easy it is to do. Yes, but I want to come back to that thought of attention. I just want to say a few things about that, and then I want to go right to talking about affection. But the Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse 26, this verse just brought it all together, and I just want to repeat it quickly again. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. All three of the those key words are in there. My son, give me. That is where the allegiance comes in. You're trusting in God, and everything you are and everything you have, you know you owe that to him. And where does that begin? It begins with the heart. My son, give me thine heart. That's the affection that we have for God, and I'm going to explain that uh, here in just a, a, a moment. But And then let thine eyes observe my ways is the attention portion of it. Now, we talked about attention economy yesterday just a little bit and and all of that, but I don't know if we got to the part where we talked about how all these things connect, 
But Lamentations 3 and verse 51, I might have referenced that yesterday. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Uh, Jeremiah said, attention is what opens the door for affection. In other words, what I am giving my attention to. Uh, we've, we've thought about this and maybe mentioned it a, a number of times, but I think even Brother Fletcher might have mentioned this, but Lot, how he vexed his righteous soul in Sodom, the Bible says by seeing and hearing, mm-hmm. and it was a daily thing. It doesn't even, and I like to always point out, it doesn't even say that Lot was doing the things. He was just seeing and hearing what was being done in Sodom on a daily basis, and it was vexing his righteous soul. But what we give our attention to, what we look at, what we listen to, does affect the inner man, the heart. And so uh, I, I used as an illustration in the church service that night the old commercial. Do you remember the old Mean Joe Green commercial? Oh, yeah. I think it got actually got re-aired a couple of years ago during a Super Bowl or something. Yeah, I think they did like a greatest commercials of all time yeah. segment. And it just teaches us that whole point there that whatever grabs our emotion – uh, and and it, it'll get us thinking about something, and what we think about will then cause us to feel things. So there's this age-old debate. Do emotions lead to thoughts, or do thoughts lead to emotions? And the answer is yes. yes. And thinking about it, whatever it is that we're paying attention to, will lead to feelings of something for the it, that thing that we're thinking about. And then feelings will grab hold of our desires. We start wanting that, especially if we've had the experience of doing something or experiencing something that created a feeling in us. And this doesn't have to be bad. There's not all bad things. But, for example, here's a good thing. I, I noticed that in this phase of life that I'm in, I don't think it's just because I'm getting old. I think it's because of the demands of this type of work. But the afternoons come around, and I'm thinking, I need a nap. Now, I don't get them all the time, but I have learned that if I go take the nap, it gives me a really good feeling, and so it builds in me this desire to take naps, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that that might be true of. Uh, For example, for you, what would be something that you've had a great experience and gained a good feeling about, and so you just want to go have some more? Well, I mean, I think, like, people have their their favorite vacation spot. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for me, I really like to go and just sit on the beach and read. Or if I'm in the mountains, just kind of find somewhere that I can just sit, be outside, and just enjoy just just being there. Now, we don't live there all the time, so that's not an everyday occurrence, but I know that when I go, this is what I'm going to be able to expect to be able to do, and so I, I like being able to, to do that, and so I look forward to it. So that's why we have to be careful about what we are fixing our attention on, because Thoughts and feelings, when they're connected, they form an attachment, and that is the way habits and even addictions come into our life. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be the right kind of habits, the right kind of addictions, but uh, not the wrong kind. So, so what is my point with all that? We owe God our attention because ultimately we owe Him our affection and our allegiance. And so that's where we begin. We begin with our attention, and we learn to pray over that. Matthew, or uh, Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart uh, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. As it connected to the revival experience, I thought it was interesting to see what the Bible shows us will happen when our heart does get fixed on God. Psalm 57, and verse 7 says, My heart is fixed 
O God, my heart is fixed, which that means my heart has been steadied and stabilized and focused on God, right? And it says, I will sing and give praise. And so if we will get our attention fixed on God, the result of that will be the experience of genuine revival in our life because a genuine genuine revival will bring forth the celebration of God, the singing and the praise. And that's where we got into why this is such a, a opposed thing in our life, why the world is offering us so much distraction. Mm-hmm. Because when we get locked in on God, friends, we start shutting everything else out. I mean, if you really taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And it's not that we're there and we live there constantly because we all fail and we all make mistakes, but the more and more we get that, the more and more we want it. Again, Absolutely. thought, feeling, experience, attachment. I need more of God, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind attention. And oh, by the way, just touching back to Matthew chapter 9, we were going to say something about that in yesterday's broadcast, but something that I noticed as I was reading Matthew chapter 9 the other day, there's a lot there about what you're seeing, which is the result of what you're paying attention to. But I noticed that in Matthew chapter 9, you've got Jesus and all the things he sees and how he interprets what he's seeing. You've got the scribes and Pharisees, all the things they see and what they interpret about it. And then you've got the crowd that's there around all of it, what they see and how they interpret it. The primary point of which is you will see whatever you're looking for. And I noticed without spending a lot of time in in Matthew 9, just kind of to give you the, the synopsis of it, Jesus is constantly seeing the people he can care for. He sees, for example, the man that's uh, let down. John talks about how he was let down in the roof, but they brought him. He was uh, sick of the palsy, and Jesus sees a man that he can heal. Uh, whereas the Pharisees see nothing but blasphemy that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The crowd, in turn, uh, they get up and they marvel and glorify God for what takes place that day. So everybody was seeing what they were looking for. Jesus was looking for someone to care for. The scribes were looking for something to criticize, and the crowd was looking for something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I think about giving our attention to God. We come to church or we come to our place of prayer or we come to our daily life, our job, whatever it is, what are we looking for? Where's our attention fixed? If our attention is fixed on God, on his kingdom, his glory, his work, we're going to find that. Yeah. But if our attention's fixed on everything the world is throwing at us, distractions. And let's just say, if we haven't said it, we're not necessarily talking about overtly evil things. We're just talking about whatever keeps us from focusing on God. I think even like the things that we're, we're frustrated about at the time, like you let, you let somebody get on your nerves at work, and whatever that obnoxious quality is, you will see it in every single person that you encounter. And before long, you're like, that's just what's wrong with this world. Everybody is filling the blank with whatever obnoxious quality it is. Rude, inconsiderate, selfish, self-absorbed. That's just how everybody is. Because that's what we're looking for, and we're going to find it. But then, the same's true on the opposite. If we're like, man, you know what? There are good people in this world. There are people that love one another and are considerate. We'll begin to see goodness in unexpected places as well because that's what has our attention. That's where our thoughts and our focus is on, and so we'll see those things as well. Obviously, we've already closed the treasure trove today, but uh, if it was still open, I could reach in there and pull out, pull out that uh, story about the grandpa and the two grandsons and the Limburger cheese and the mustache. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. You'll just have to Google it later. Wait till next Thursday. Yeah. But to that point, I, I just keep, because we've been in the revival meeting, and obviously this is what's in my heart and my mind, but so our attention then will transition to talking about affection. So what, what do we mean by that? So my passage of Scripture for that, which I shared with the church, is Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul writes, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And here's the key phrase. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This word in Colossians 3 is... I think the the affection that we're going for that we're that we're needing to understand in this study and in this week of revival. And what I mean is typically when we hear the word affection we think of you know just having a fondness for somebody. An affectionate person. Yes, they just show so much affection. And it's not wrong. I mean of course that's not wrong. That is a definition of the word, but that's not wrong to what I want us to see here, but it's not the root of what I want us to see. The word affection that's used here is not just another word for love and tenderness or really, really liking someone or something, but it's a New Testament word. The actual word is phroneo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O, but it means to exercise the mind. I'm very fond of the word because, as I've said many times, I think we need to do more thinking, but hang with me now because attention seems to have a lot to do with where our mind is, and now we're talking about affection. Now, we touched this a little bit yesterday when we got into Psalm 119, and we talked about understanding and how understanding is something that comes from the heart, but this is the New Testament word that helps us understand that because to set our affection on things above, what Paul is saying here is, he wants us to exercise our mind over the heavenly things, over the godly things, over where our life is hid with Christ, which is the next verse. So I understand that as the Bible saying to us, the context of how we are to live our life should always come through the understanding we receive by putting everything against what is the will of God, what is the desire of God, what's the the way God is going, what's he up to in the world. And that's how we find and make the proper decisions and, and, and do the right things. And it is, in short, I think, a game plan for life. Set your affection on things above is not just some wishful, blissful hope for what is coming. It's actually how we're supposed to live our life. I know it was a lot of words I just said. I hope it made sense. I think it did because I can't remember if it was – in the church or staff huddle or conversation. But you mentioned that, you know, your affection are the things which affect you. They're the mm-hmm. things that move you to action. So I'm intentionally setting my mind to where I am affected and impacted by the heavenly things. By what you're working over in your mind. Yes. So if that's the case, I want to make sure that I'm filling that with the thoughts of God and the things of God so that I am affected for God. So let me see if I can bring that together because again I think uh when you when you hear this if you're paying attention if you can follow 
us <laughs> in some of our confusion. But if you are paying attention to what we've been saying, attention is linked to the mind and, and all of that. And so it may seem a, little, seem a little confusing as to how are we now talking about the mind of the heart, right? Well, that goes back to Psalm 119 yesterday, uh, verse 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Understanding is not a mind thing. We do not understand with the mind. Understanding is a heart with the mind thing. Mm -hmm. So in other words, we receive and process thoughts and facts in the mind, but it's in our heart that we truly come to understand them. And that's, you know, that's what I said uh, I, the other night. That's why sometimes I do it, you do it, we all do it. We just think, and we sit and think, and we roll stuff over in our mind, and we process it, process it, process it, and we never really process it because it stays up here in the head, and we never get it down into the heart because in the heart is where understanding happens so there's no resolution but when we have understanding that means when I say I understand something I really should not use that word if what I what I what I mean is I hear you I got the information mm -hmm. that's not understanding when I understand something it means that all the pieces have come together and I can actually see the thing it's clear to me that's that light bulb moment where we say I get it I fear that so many people in the church, not totally due to fault of their own, they, they, they've got the facts, it makes sense, but they don't understand what this life with Christ is. It's not got from the head to the heart. And, so, and, and, and just before you say that, I'm not saying there that they're not saved. Right. I'm saying they're not understanding what their salvation offers them. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I'm hearing. We use understanding in place of the word comprehend. Like, I hear the facts, yeah. and I comprehend everything. Mm -hmm. Understanding, though, is when comprehension now becomes ownership on my part. Like, yeah, I've comprehended the facts, but now I get it. Like, yes. I truly understand. And that's why we get so hung up to what you're saying even about our walk with God, we comprehend the facts of what walking with God should look like, but we don't really understand it because we're not experiencing it and personally grabbing it. And, but I said it, it to the church the other night, I mean, here's the great thing in your corner. Jesus is in the heart. He works in the yes. heart, and he is there. So even though we might not get it all, if we will open up to it, He's going to help us get it, mm -hmm. and and that's important to encourage people with. Um, most people operate in the realm of only what they think, and they, they try to avoid getting into how they feel about things. But here's the reality. To truly understand, to truly have affection, we can't ignore either the thoughts or the feelings. We actually have to have both. That's where we process it. Now, from that, we need to understand that this – Setting of the affection is what I call a withness thing because he says in that verse, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so we have to consider that part of our life being hid with Christ. And that brings us all the way back to the everything we've talked about before about abiding in him, abiding in the vine, the being with Jesus throughout our day. And so maybe people want to ask the question, well, how? How do you do that? If Jesus is in heaven, and he is, 
how then can I be with him in my here and now? And that is actually a very good question. It's the question we should be asking if we don't understand. And so it's the right question. Now, it deserves a whole lot more attention to that specific than we can give right now. But we need to understand, in short, that we do all of this work from the heart. That is the most interior and true part of ourselves. It's where the Spirit of God dwells. And so the question of how, how do I be with Jesus when he's in heaven and I'm here, it's through the Spirit of God who dwells in us and brings to us the presence and the voice and the life of Jesus into our very own life. That's how that works. Now, again, boy, how much could we... There's so many things we could talk about off of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But Jesus' way is the way of the heart, and that's why we have to get to affection because if we don't, we're not going to operate at the level Jesus is working in. And I'm not saying by that that he doesn't work in our mind exclu- you know, separately or whatever, but I'm saying he really gets with us at the heart level. One last thing I'll say about it, it's singular. Notice Paul says, set your affection. I, I mentioned this I don't know, months ago in the church, but for most of my Christian life, I've always loved Colossians 3. It's been a critical, you know, we we did the what if Mm -hmm. Wednesday, and Colossians 3 is one of my chapters I would just want to have. But for a long time, I would say it wrong. Set your affections on things on the earth is what I would say. I'd quote it that way. But it's singular. It's not affections. It's affection. Now, what that says to me is, we only have, just like we can only give our attention to really one thing well, we only have affection to give to one thing well. We're not operating well when we have multiple affections. Um, but how is this possible to just have, to set our affection singular just on heavenly things? Well, it goes back to something I said earlier. We have to learn how to frame everything, family, work, our, our good times, our fun things, our goals in life, we have to set all of that, frame it in the context of the things above. The way to set the affection on things above is going to be through the process of praying, consecrating, learning to bring everything in my life under the lordship of Jesus. Ah, and now we're ready to get into that allegiance part, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure does. So... We'll have to do that next time. So, friends, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care, and we will see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.